Today on Locked On Canadians, are the Habs building a losing culture? You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 974. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Laura Sab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Metla. And Scott, it is almost the weekend. It is holiday season. Your birthday is almost here, Scott. How are you doing on this Thursday evening? Uh, well, here's the I, thing. I forgot is, what time of day it was. <laughs> That's how I'm fair, doing. It, it gets dark at four o'clock nowadays, so I forget what time it is most of the time anyways. Uh, for those who don't know, I don't love my birthday because it is in the most stressful time of the year with the holidays. So like Carly's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to go to bed and eat like an entire stuffed crust pizza in my pajamas. Like that is under that a heated is- blanket. Uh, that is my current goal. I don't need a heated blanket. A car, uh, <laughs> neither of us do. But other than that, I'm good. The weekend's right around the corner. It's supposed to be halfway decent. We're going to the Finger Lakes this weekend, so uh, I'm I'm excited just to get out. And then it is the home stretch to Christmas. So, uh, or for those of our listeners who celebrate, anyways, those who celebrate Hanukkah, happy eighth night of Hanukkah to all of you. Uh, but yeah, it's it's our Friday episode though, and that means it is the Friday mailbag among other things, is it not? It is the Friday mailbag episode, and just a quick note because Scott mentioned the holidays. Uh, we are we will be dropping episodes obviously every weekday in December, except for on Christmas and on Boxing Day. So we will be back. Our episodes will be back uh, on the twenty seventh. But we're here, and we've got like we're still talking about you know that all decade team. We're gonna get something together for that. We still have some fun live shows to do. We just need to get past this Christmas rush because it is peak season for both Scott and myself, uh, and the Habs are still playing and they're going on the road blah 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 but we have some very meaty mailbag questions today uh so we might spend you know a full segment on a couple of them but first i wanted to go back and touch on cole caulfield all over again uh partly because we have uh a question um we have a question about cole caulfield but uh, i wanted to bring up a comment first before the question i'm worried about cole caulfield on the power play He seems to hang out patiently anticipating a pass. Meanwhile, the opposing defense has a player close to Cole to prevent the pass from going through. If the other team didn't do that, he'd have between 10 and 15 goals right now. The NHL players have made an adjustment and know how to shut down this offensive play. So Scott, I thought this comment was really interesting, even then it's from Bushes on the Loose. Um, And I found it interesting in that... I want to know if your thoughts are if it's Cole Caulfield that does the problem or it's the way that the Canadians strategize their power play that is the problem. Like, do you think like how much responsibility do you think there is on Cole Caulfield to kind of break out of that and do something that's outside of that power play unit? So here's the thing. I'm of two thoughts on this because there I, I witnessed two different Canadians power plays last night. There was one that was fluid, and I'm watching Nick Suzuki cycle the zone where he was behind the net, and then he's circling back through the point to his usual spot. I'm watching Caulfield. I'm watching Matheson. 
interchange and there are moving parts and it looks good. Even the one they scored on, there's traffic in front of the net, there's movement, and they're not just hyper-focusing on one player. And then I saw at the end of the game where everything is trying to get fed to your best shooter, which, okay, makes sense. Feed, you know, feed your strongest shooter. The Capitals did it for what? Almost 20 years at this point with Alex Ovechkin that it makes sense. I want to know why they get away from that first grouping where it's mobile and they're creating opportunities and using screens and traffic and misdirection to go. We're just going to try and force this cross seam pass, which crossing the Royal road, usually a good thing. Not, not a bad thing at all in that regard. And then I, I, it, it just becomes forced. And we saw it with, you know, Shea Weber for how long and PK Subban for how long, I want to know where why that switch flips if they're just trying to simplify it and play safe. And I think that's where my biggest issue is coming in here is that are you trying to play too safe with the lead here that you aren't allowing your players to take risks? And I don't think it's all on Caulfield. His current slump with whatever you want to call this, where he's shooting still like 10 points below his like career average almost, like he's going to get going because the chances are there. It's just the power play itself needs a full overhaul. And I don't know if that means Martin saying that we needs to surrender some of that power play responsibility at this point, but it's not working. The mobility is key. You watch good power plays that are fluid and the puck is moving and players are constantly shifting. The Canadians is a static box that there's a guy by the side of the net, Nick Suzuki in the right face off dot Caulfield in the left. And then just some shifting and moving with Matson on the point and one guy behind the net. It's not a cohesive pairing. It's out of date. And they and Caulfield's a great shooter, but they lack the other weapons to make it a threat where you're looking at this and going, oh, they might not go to him at this point. The biggest thing they can do is one, either get somebody else going goal scoring wise. And we've talked about Slavkovsky, the minute he stops healing pucks on that, on that approaching, you know, one timer, it's a different story. That or Caulfield just has to break out of the slump. And I'd rather they fix the power play as a whole than just bet on one person at this point. Speaking of betting on one person, <laughs> do you think, and this comes from Jeff the Red on Twitter, do you think the angst over Caulfield would be as much if his 20 points that he has thus far in the season, which isn't too bad of a rate, by the way, were 13 goals and 7 assists as opposed to 7 goals and 13 assists? Uh, I think if he had 13 goals, nobody would be upset right now at all. If he had double digit goals in general, I don't think it would be upset. I'm not, I'm not super upset with the way his season has gone. It is, it's frustrating because you know that he is, he's, you know, right there. He's so close on so and he's many chances. Of more. Exactly. Like we've that seen him the, do more. That is the story of this Canadian team this year is that I have seen you do more and I want you to do more <laughs> here. And to answer Jeff's question, though, that if he had 13 goals and seven assists, nobody is batting an eye at this. They're going, ah, 13 goals, pretty good. He's there to score goals. He's going to hit 20 pretty easily here. And it, it that's a great, legitimately a great question that if you swap some of these players' stats, you know, how different are we narr- are we looking at the narration of this? If Josh Anderson had, what, three assists, would we be? <laughs> Probably, but still. uh Oh man, 
that's a great question. I do think the the outcry, and I use that term lightly as to not make it seem too bad, would be much, much, much less. Um, I am inclined to agree with you there. Uh, and I think, like, honestly, I thought that question about the power play was just so, so good. And, and Jeff's question is so, so good. Like, I, a lot of things, is, they're about perspective, right? So the power play question was about context. And Jeff's question was about reversing our perspective. And honestly, like, it made me feel better. Like, we we talked about on our episode where we talked about whether or not or how long or what it would take to get Cole Caulfield going. We weren't really, really worried about him. We just know his luck is not good. But the fact that the, the power play part of it, like, really does add a little bit more of an element of control to Cole Caulfield about how this is going and a little bit more control to the team about how this is going they need to fix their power play that's not that's not something new um and i think that in itself is probably what it would take to get going now um i do want to remind everybody that if you do want us to answer mailback questions you can send them to us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com you can also leave them in the youtube comments just put mailback question or mbq at the beginning you can also send them to us on twitter lo underscore canadians we're also on all the other social medias i'm at the active stick scott is at scott matley you can catch us there but we do like emails like we we like to we like to hear from you because some of the emails like it allows you guys a little bit longer and you can give us your comments context and your story about becoming a Habs fan and all of that. In the meantime, we still have lots of other questions. We've got questions about disappointing prospects or players or players that have impressed and surprised us. Uh, and then we're going to talk about winning cultures, the adversity the Habs have faced this season versus last season, and so much more. And that is all coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. But first, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. It is holiday season and you want to get your loved ones tickets to events that they will love. But guess what? Sometimes getting tickets is frustrating, stressful, and a lot of times you overpay for them. But you do not have to do that. This Christmas, you are going to be a hero to your loved ones and you're going to do it without any kind of stress. All you got to do is check out Game Time. Game Time has flash deals and it's so easy to use. It is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. The all-in prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. You don't want those hidden fees. You want to be hero to your loved ones without paying extra fees. So you can buy two seconds in you can buy tickets in literal seconds with just two taps. So guess take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, happy loved ones, guaranteed. All right, Scott, so we have some really, really meaty questions today. Um, and one of them comes, this is a second question from Jeff the Red. So hi, Jeff, and thank you so much for your question. Hi, folks. Which Canadians players, NHL or prospect, so it has to be the Habs, but it could be NHL or prospect, are you most pleased with in their development so far this season? And which ones are the most disappointing this far, thus far? I think the pleased one, and we talked about this a little bit after the Penguins game, uh, Jaden Struble has just blown me away this season with just how polished he looks for someone who had like 10 professional games coming into this year at the end of last year with the Rocket. He looks phenomenal out there. Uh, I've been really just blown away with how good that he's been 
this year in in the AHL now in the NHL too. It, it's forcing a lot of very difficult questions of the Canadians coaching staff, which is a good thing when you're analyzing a team that is uh, rebuilding and you're trying to decide what is your best lineup look like going forward uh, in Europe. Uh, Bogdan Kuniushkov, who's playing in the KHL, is someone that I didn't know much about, really didn't, you know, understand the pick when it was made. And he has done a very good job uh, as a young guy playing in the KHL. I'm actually looking up his numbers in the background. And I should apologize. I know Patrick Bexell has an article coming out on this. He he and I have the same birthday. Huh. Neat. Anyways. Uh, he has 20 points in 40 KHL games this year, which is really, really impressive for a very young uh, defenseman here. I'm going to take a look at his team scoring here just to see where he ranks. And he is fifth on the team in scoring behind uh, a couple of older players on that team. So he's on my on my impression list. Uh, I'm curious to see who's on yours or do you want me to kind of give my uh, who's on my disappointments so far? Um, do your disappointments. <laughs> uh, so, and I, I've harped on this a lot and people have read the recaps and eyes on the prize and everything. William Trudeau's fall from grace from the pre from last year to this preseason where he was like right there. He was a guy that I thought was going to steal an NHL spot to whatever he is doing right now is, is something I'm looking at and going, what? What are we doing here? What happened? Like, what happened to your game? This is, it, it's it's mind-blowing. It's like someone took all the, you know, the, the skill out of his body, like the Monstars and Space Jam. Like, I, I have faith that he can figure it out, but it's so rough right now that he looks a lot like Josh Anderson or Justin Barron at the NHL level where a mistake is, is just trying to make something happen, it all going wrong, and then just catastrophically, you know, careening from there. He's gotten better as of late, but he's far from the player that he was last year. And the emergence of someone like Logan Mayu and then uh, our Jack guys there right now, Jaden Struble before that, were making it harder and harder for him to keep that same ice time to figure it out. Uh, He's very, very high on uh, my disappointment list going into this season. I he can definitely pull it out, but right now it is it, it, he he's looking a little bit rough around the edges there. That's interesting because he did not really really cross my mind to be honest. Um, for me, like I'm not necessarily uh, truly disappointed in anyone. I am a bit concerned. I mean, he's not a, he's not a prospect, but you know, Josh Anderson, I think um, has had a rougher season than I expected. Like, I don't think that he is what uh, other GMs think he is. And I don't think we ever thought that, but I didn't think it would be this rough this season. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's the hardest part of this entire team this year is that it's like, we see good things, that aren't getting rewarded. And then they just kind of snowball in the case of Josh Anderson, just dip the man in Sage at this point. Like I've never seen, and we've watched Lars Eller and Rene Bork for years. Like I have never seen someone uh, this level of cursed. It's so many different ways. Elliot Friedman put it in 32 thoughts. And he's like, it looks like Anderson went out there 
and just did not want to be in the spotlight at all. That's a guy who's fighting it real bad right now. And I really do hope he solves it because I like, I want to like Josh Anderson, but it is so hard to watch him go through whatever this is that is going on with him right now. Absolutely. And so I think who surprised me positively, I think it's unfortunate that, that new hook got injured because I was seeing some stuff in him that I thought showed a lot of promise and made me understand why the team traded for him. Uh, But unfortunately that was cut short. So I don't know if I, if I, if I have another person, because a lot of the ones like I've, I've expected, I think, you know, I think it's, I wouldn't say that I expected Slavkovsky to be like, I expected us to be having an entirely different conversation about Slavkovsky. Sorry. Um, But I think, I think, you know, the ones that are good, I've expected a lot better. All right. So uh, before we move on to our next segment, I've got a question about adversity this season versus last season. Um, And then we can spend a lot of time on the um on the winning culture question the culture about to interrupt? yes hmm? oh the i'm not interrupting history. anything i'm just talking all right so uh real quick this comes from our good friend jay our cool friend who has a band at tours <laughs> hey laura hey scott i wanted to talk today about the adversity of the habs team this season compared specifically to last season once again, the Habs keep getting hit with long-term injuries to players, losing Doc for the whole year very early in the season, messed with the chemistry. Slavkovsky was developing on the ice. Newhook was just starting to heat up and develop chemistry on his line, and then boom, injured. Tanner Pearson, while he wasn't lighting up the, short, the score sheet, was a key member of that third line, in that he was incredibly hard to play against and was able to generate scoring chances while shutting opposing lines down. This year, like last year, we've seen the Habs stumble for a few games after losing a player to injury. However, this year, I've noticed that they're developing chemistry after line shuffles much faster. Slavkovsky's looking like the best player on the ice when he's with Suzuki and Caulfield. In my opinion, Dvorak and Gallagher look like the players they were in the past and are working really well together. I guess my point is, I like seeing that their adjustments seem to be happening quicker this season compared to last. Sure, they look bad for a couple of games, but then you're seeing the work and practice pay off and the team becoming harder to play against. I'm curious to hear if you or any other listeners have noticed this and what you think. Uh, P.S. I was on tour with my band recently, wore my galley jersey on stage in Montreal when we played at Bar La Ritz, and people were very stoked. Okay, uh, I just want to say real quick, Scott, I'm going to give you the floor for this question real quick, but... Um, I think a lot of our other listeners have not noticed this because they're calling for Martin St. Louis head. <laughs> I, so here's the thing. This year is a different kind of adversity where it is. This feels more like growing pains versus last year where it is just, Hey, are you playing well? Congratulations. Your knee exploded or Hey, shoulder surgery or Hey, shoulder surgery or Hey, shoulder surgery. Like it's, Last year was just frustration that the team could not stay healthy and nothing could go right for them. They'd have little bits of hope, namely, you know, Samuel Montembeau playing well, some Arbor Jack eye goodness in there, Nick Suzuki being Nick Suzuki, or Rafael Harvey Pinard. And then this year, the injuries are bad, not as bad as last year, but still to the point that it is hampering the team and that they've kind of gotten things figured out. And yet, Nothing can bounce their way right now. 
I'd be curious to see what the Habs PDO is right now, just based on their shooting percentage. Because the goaltending's been seemingly about average right now. NHL PDO 2020. I'm going to Google this right now. Let's take a look here. Uh, I don't, this was last updated on December 12th. The Montreal Canadiens are sitting at 101, which is just barely. Yes. No, I'm, 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 I'm agreeing. Oh, I was going to say, I'm like, did somebody get traded in the middle of this no, right no, now? No, no, so... no, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but it doesn't like the screen is too, um, like I pointed because like, like you hit the nail. <laughs> so like the biggest thing is, is that like they're playing about average with bad shooting luck right now for some of their best players. Anderson and Caulfield are in like the top 10 for uh, being under their goals of or expected goals percentage or goals above average, whatever it might be for shooters that the regression to the meme should get them back up a little bit. And some of these games end in regulation versus that the struggle is figuring out what do they need there? This is the growing pains here. But if you're seeing Slavkovsky, take those steps, you're seeing Jaden Struble, take those steps. You hopefully see more from Justin Barron, Arbor Jacki. You've discovered Samuel Montembeau is, is your goaltender for the near future right now. Those are positive steps, but losing doc hurts, losing new hook for a while hurts here that those are guys that you're trying to build around in this team too. Now you're you're kind of you're you're basically speed running to stop at this point and it's a it's a frustration more than adversity I think because we've seen a healthy Canadians lineup for what two game and a half two games this season and that's it like it's hard to fully judge what this team looks like when it is fully healthy because they've had two fully healthy games, if that, this year. <laughs> All right. So we're going to build on that, and this conversation is going to continue in our next segment because we have a question about whether or not the Habs are able to win, uh, sorry, are currently building a winning or a losing culture, and that is coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Honestly, right now, like, what else are you doing? It's the season to stay in <laughs> and check out FanDuel. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's really no better time to get in on the action, get your hot cup of hot chocolate. And start, because the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Honestly, my, my favorite ones are the player props. Uh, that's as much as like my limit is in terms of what I know. But the app is so easy to use that it's time for me to learn more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. All right, it is time to talk about another mailback question. So I basically allocated an entire segment to this question because I feel like there's a lot to discuss. And this comes from our very good friend, Claude S. Uh, all right. And I pulled up another one of his emails accidentally. Uh, and it was one of them was like, all right, hi, guys, please pull me off the proverbial ledge. Management consistently refers to building a culture. Should I be concerned that the culture seems to be 
that that culture seems to be dangerously close to a losing one. When it was just the Canadians, I understood we had to deal with growing pains, but the rocket are languishing as well. How soon do you think losing will no longer be acceptable and winning, not building, will become management's primary goal? So I think there's a couple of things at play here because first we have to define what a winning culture is. It doesn't just mean winning, right? It's it's not just about like wins on the score sheet. It's about like how an organization manages its roster, its salary cap, its development, its attitude, and what kind of players they choose, like what kind of character they're looking for. And I hate the word character. Character is a dirty word in this market, but I don't mean in terms of like, oh my God, he's a guy. Like, I mean like you know, <laughs> is the person like, does the person have some measure of intelligence on the ice? Are they showing these players how to make the best decisions in in-game situations? Are they providing, you know, the Canadian, like uh, each player with homework to do or things to work on and the player takes it to heart and really, you know, like I hear so many stories of like every year, some of the top players like will hire this specialist or that specialist because they notice that one weakness in their game. So they'll work on it in the summer. Like that's the kind of character I'm talking about. So Scott, what to you is a winning culture? Uh, I hate to say this because, you know, rivals and everything. Uh, Tampa Bay's put together a very strong case for, being what a winning culture should look like. They are a successful team with high standards at the NHL level. They are not afraid to take risks to capitalize on that and to exploit the loopholes in the CBA. Remember, $18 million over the cap, LTIR and everything. Now every team in the league does that. That's a good, And their AHL team is always competitive. Even if it is not loaded with talent, it is competitive. It is feisty because they hold themselves to a standard for that. And I think that is because I look at Toronto. Toronto has its own toxicity in there, whether, you know, it's you believe in what Kyle Dubas was doing or what Brad Trilliving is doing there. It's unfair to put the Canadians in that situation, but I don't think the Canadians are on the path to a losing culture here. And I want to address the rocket thing here because I'm getting this a lot and I want to be level-headed about this, but sometimes people who I can tell are not following things, and this is not to say that this question is coming from someone like that. The Rocket were one win away from the Calder Cup Finals two years ago, made the playoffs last year, and the year before they went to the Calder or the Eastern Conference Finals, they won their division with Joel Bouchard as coach. They've put together a thing of standards here. I also look at this year in that you can't fire a coach in the middle of it and get somebody else who's likely going to be better right now. This is a coach who I think has done a decent job at getting some of these first waves of these new prospects coming in and getting them to the next level. You are seeing Justin Barron at the NHL level. Now you are seeing a guy like Jesse Olinen at the uh, NHL level, at least slightly at this point, you are seeing Jaden Struble up there at this point, you are seeing Caden Primo, getting better at this NHL level here. And some of that was credit to Joel Bouchard, who was his coach there too, but also Jean-Francois, who now you're hoping to see Emil Heinemann, who is joining the team, and Joshua Waugh, and maybe Riley Kidney, and then a guy, maybe not Leah Sanderson, because he's obviously a little bit older than that, but these other players coming up and through there, you're seeing players be developed where before, you know, you were lucky to get anything uh, when Sylvain Lefebvre was here. This season has been tougher than expected because the goaltending has not panned out the way that they had hoped right now on that. I don't think they're breeding a losing culture. I think they're still holding players to certain expectations, especially older 
older prospects to use a little bit of a, you know, oxymoron there, but I, I don't think they're breeding a losing culture. I, this is a team that wants to compete, but is lacking the high end pieces here. The Canadians were shooting closer to what their average should be. Their record probably looks monumentally different at this point, you know, less overtime losses, more regulation wins. I'm not going to judge the culture of this team because it seems like, the team itself is still very tightly knit and everything. There's not, you can see it in Buffalo and in Edmonton and in some of these other teams where the toxicity creeps in and it rots and the team itself is just falling apart. The Canadians have struggles. And I think part of that is just a talent discrepancy against some of these other teams. They're not hopeless or hapless. Most of the time they have bad games. They're going to, I'll worry more about it. If they have games where they look like, that game against LA where they didn't get a shot because even bad teams can bounce back. The sharks have like a six, two and two record or something since getting shelled for 10 goals in back-to-back games. Like things can change in an instant and maybe a bit of luck changes the fortune and the perception around this team. I'd be worried if they were trying to demote guys to bring up players from the AHL to fill their spots instead that hadn't earned it. I'm not worried about the culture of this team or character or anything like that right now because they're still rebuilding. This is a team still working its way through, you know, through the woods in terms of that. And I think for all of Martin St. Louis' tactical faults, he's not a guy that would accept losing, right? And that's really, really, really important. Like we have issues with him and the decisions that he makes in terms of strategy and tactics. I really don't think that motivation is a problem Um, and building like, you know, that mentality of wanting to win is a problem here. Like I think, and I think he, he understands, you know, when you're winning, it's fun. Um, And when you're losing, these are, these are players that like wouldn't accept that. You know what I mean? And I think, I think that's very much part of it is the choices that you make in terms of personnel, both on and off the ice. Um, I think, we're going to end it here <laughs> mostly because we are out of time. Uh, thank you so much for these really interesting meaty. I, lo- I love when the questions are meaty. <laughs> I keep saying that. I, I like, I keep calling things meat. Um, all right. Uh, I should get my iron checked in the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube, you can find us on social media. I'm at the active stick. Scott is at Scott Matla pretty much everywhere uh, on Twitter. The show is at L O underscore Canadians. Uh, and like I said, you can send us mail or questions to locked on Canadians at gmail.com. Uh, leave them in the YouTube comments whenever you like, just write MBQ or mailbag question when you want us to bring it up on the Friday episode. And before I let you go, remember that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.